Auburn's running back room is not the strongest position on this roster. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen Every single day. Joining me today, the man your man wants to be, Daryl Daprich, hanging out with us. And Daryl, I don't think Auburn's running back room is the number one strength of this team. It is a strength, but it is not the best position group on the team. I believe it is the cornerback's room. And look, we're in the middle of July, and you're starting to see every beat writer kind of, you know, do a similar thing that other outlets are doing with their own rankings. And a very popular one amongst Auburn media right now is everybody ranking Auburn's position groups, Daryl. And I'm cool with it. I'm all about lists. I'm all about rankings. I think most people are. But everyone I've seen is unanimous that running back is at number one. I believe this is incorrect. I believe the cornerback room is the best position group on this Auburn 2023 roster. I know it doesn't make for intriguing podcasts when we agree so much on stuff, but <laughs> I, I can't be fake and transparent and, and create a false narrative just to push back. Um, you know, the, the fact that I, I agree. I think that we, we did a show months ago. We did like these three phases where there was the initial transfer portal period, then another period after the first one was it coincided with signing day. And we kind of did a breakdown of position groups. And we had running back number one back then. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's interesting. I've changed my thought process because of seeing some of the mock drafts. That matters, what professionals and scouts think. Getting just higher and higher on Kay and Lee. Correct. Really love DJ James to begin with. But all And then it's interesting how even some of the national publications and preseason, you know, prediction magazines and that kind of thing. They always list the strengths and the best position group. Now they kind of go a little generic and go secondary mm -hmm. and don't break, but that even in itself is telling to me of how elite the second, the, the corners can be is because it's carrying what I consider to be just an average safety room. I like Jalen Simpson. I like pocket, but I think that, you know, the strength of this secondary is the cornerbacks. And they're so strong and they're so good, they're bringing the safeties along for the ride in these national publications that declare the strength of Auburn football being their secondary. That even goes to show you how elite their, their, their corners are. Well, let's think about it. 12 months ago, Jalen Simpson, who was a starting corner at the time, uh, he had to move to safety because one positional need, they ran out of safeties with injuries and also – there are just a lot of good corners, and so why not put more of your talented folks on the field? And Jalen Simpson, surprisingly to me, uh, looks better at safety than he did at corner, which is a win for everybody, right? And then you look at the rest of the defensive back room, like you said, and I think the best guys that you would feel at nickel uh, are Keontae Scott and J.D. Rim, who are in the cornerback room, you know, for most yes. of the spring. And, you know, you may see them kind of move around a little bit and fall just to kind of try some different things out. But when you look at Auburn's top five corners, there's just not a position group that has the depth of a D.J. James, Nehemiah Pritchett, 
JD Rim, Kayan Lee, and Keontae Scott. Yeah. And look, I, I love Jarquez Hunter. I love Damari Austin. I love Brian Batty, and I love Jeremiah Cobb. But when you just talk about proven ability, give me those corners over any other position group on this roster. It's amazing. Okay, so four of those five guys that you mentioned, Scott, James, Pritchett, and um, Kay and Lee, I think all have futures in the league, in the NFL. I do. I, I believe Kay and Lee, by the time he leaves Auburn, will be an elite corner Who'd and will go out? to the NFL. Pardon me? Which one did you leave out? Well, I left out Rim for a second, but I want to get to him. Okay. So the four of those five, I think right now, I would say are on track, projected to play in the league, even Scott. You know, you got Pritchett and um, T.J. James, who will go next year. I think Kyan Lee is a future NFL, NFL, and so is Keontae Scott. I left out Rim, but then I went back and watched about a 10, 11-minute recap of the A&M game last year because of all the hype and emotion that was surrounding it. I just wanted some feel-goods. And I watched that game, and I'll tell you, JD, you know, sometimes you need that. You need a little, you know, a little. I get it, dude. I get I mean, it. Things can escalate quickly. So I went ahead and I, I watched that, and I wa I could not keep my eyes off rim. He made play after play in that game on a deep, you know, covering deep the deep ball receivers over the middle, laying the wood to somebody and separating the ball. And I thought to myself, this is a dude that's kind of a forgotten guy like Damari Alston was in Hugh Freeze's mind. You know, he comes in and maybe he underrated him a little bit. Rim is going to play a bigger role, I think, in this secondary this year than I originally had given him credit for. Well, I think it's interesting because the biggest reason that I would say where Rim isn't going to be a factor in the fall is because of how much of spring he missed. But Daryl with how active they were in the second transfer window, like half the roster wasn't here for spring. Right. And yeah. so, you know, I, I think the way that this coaching staff is going to have to teach and craft game plans and, and really kind of communicate to this uh, this roster over the first few weeks of fall is going to be different than it has been probably at any other point in their careers. And so, you know, Rim was at least here, right? Like he at least knew the plays and went through some of spring and obviously was here a year ago, nothing that matters a ton, but it probably matters a little bit. And so, yeah, I mean, this staff's going to know more about Rim than, than a lot of these transfers coming in. So I'm with you. I, I think he's going to have a factor because corner is a position where you can have five guys that all make impact, especially with Keontae um, probably playing some nickel. And look, Rim, they put Rim in the middle of the field last year. The previous staff did. Maybe that's something where they play around with more. It sounds like in his limited time at spring, he spent more time outside, at outside corner. So we'll see if they continue that trend or not. But all five of these dudes can play. All five of them. And it's, it's the best position group on the team. It's why I made a, what's turned out to be a very false uh, prediction, like I did with the SEC Media Day participants. I really felt like coming out of the spring, if you remember, you pushed back and you were right. I'll give my son his props. I thought that there was going to be a corner that was going to get moved to safety, right? And I was very adamant about it. And you were like, calm down, Waldo. It, that ain't going to happen. And, you, and I, I just really felt strong that like what happened with Jalen Simpson, that the cornerback room was so strong and the safety 
room needed a, another body that one, I, I thought Keontae Scott could have been that dude because of size and his tackling ability. I'm not to say that still may not happen. We don't know. You could come out of the fall and it could happen. Right now it's looking like a pretty dumb prediction. But I just felt like it was good because of two things, a need and the strength of the cornerback room. So how cool is that, that you've got that luxury? You know, in the SEC, you run a lot of different packages. And so heat and all that kind of stuff comes into comes into matter with depth. And uh, we'll see how that plays out. They, they may need all five before the season's over. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, you can't spell Daryl Daprich without dad. I think that's worth noting. Or L. Noting. Or, or big L that I took. <laughs> All right, uh, some of the news that happened earlier this week. Could the offensive line look different than we expected? We discuss in just a moment, right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. And look, you can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball over at FanDuel. It's always very fun betting on the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby now that that is behind us. But Look, baseball will be back before you know it uh, next week. And so be sure to get ready um, over at FanDuel. And right now they've got a special where you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So just bet 20 bucks and you get 200 I mean, that is pretty, pretty strong. It's free money. So be sure to head over. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get $200 back in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the uh, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball and the Locked On Podcast Network. Daryl, I think the announcement of Cam Stutz being one of the three Auburn players to join Hugh Freeze next week in Nashville at SEC Media Days, it surprised me. I get it, but it surprised me. But when that happened, I did a little digging. And Cam Stutz, right now, is presumed to be one of the five starters on the offensive line. And so the folks that I talked to gave me the following offensive line this is the current starters, and this is not what I would have guessed. At left tackle, Dylan Wade, that's chalk. At left guard, Cam Stutz. At center, Avery Jones. At right guard, Tate Johnson. And at right tackle, Gunnar Britton. That's what I was told. Um, that those were the two guards that were starting. But Jeremiah Wright is certainly going to vie for one of those spots. And it sounds like it's him or Tate Johnson at that guard spot, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I, you know, we talked about Stutz last week when we were talking about, I already had Wright penciled in at the one guard. And I thought that the other guard position was going to be a battle between Stutz, Muskrat, and Tate Johnson. I just right. I just kind of conceded Jeremiah Wright. And that's puzzling to me. Look, I got to trust this coaching staff. No coaching staff doesn't want to do anything but put the best five on the field at the same time. So, obviously, if those are the five that right now they think are the best and they give Auburn the best chance to win, I have to trust that. Who am I to question that? Where I'm a little bit confused, though, is that Jeremiah Wright was your best offensive lineman last year, in my opinion. He was a road grader. He played with some nastiness. He absolutely mauled people coming off the line of scrimmage. Now, it did get him in a little bit of hot water with penalties and that kind of thing. But, you know, hearing Cole Kublick and other analysts that were offensive tackles at one point, uh, Shitcom 
at Georgia. Talk about that's their dude. That guy's a dog. He's going to play in the league. He's Auburn's best offensive lineman. It confuses the crap out of me that the, unless something's happened in the offseason that we don't know, work ethic, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. But there has to be a reason that he is recessed back behind either Johnson or Stutz when he looked to be our best, not only guard last year, but best offensive alignment. So I don't know. He just, he had all, he was nasty. He was mean where we were getting pushed around a little bit. He had a little bit of nastiness in him. And so I don't know, the the same source that told you that also said that they felt like Wright could overtake one of them before the season started. So maybe this is a directive to a lot of fire under Jeremiah Wright. Maybe it's a, it's a move to try to get his attention, but they're not releasing this in the media on a whole larger scale. It's just a private conversation that you had. So I don't understand the benefit from that. Uh, we'll see when they line up against UMass, UMass how that plays out. That just really surprised me. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think an interesting aspect of this is how the staff handled the offensive line in spring. I mean, they really didn't do a whole lot of rotating. It's like this is kind of what we're rolling with. So it makes me kind of think, like, is there a chance that this is what they trot out there? I don't think they're going to do a whole lot of experimenting, Daryl. That's just based on what we saw in the spring. They could totally change it in the fall. I don't really know why you would, but they certainly could. They certainly could. So we'll see. But that surprised me. Sounds like it surprised you as well. Um, but I just think when you look at the floor of this offensive line, it's so much higher than it was a year ago where, I mean, it, I think we could still be critical, obviously, but I mean, as a position group improved more, you think on paper than, than Auburn's offensive line. This has, and it's, it's been done through, as you mentioned, the portal solely. And then obviously if they bring, if, if, if Johnson and Stutz start, then that just means they progress. Now I want to, I want to make sure that people understand, proceed with a little bit of caution here. Don't get caught up in the fact that Auburn's taking Stutz to SEC media days as the reason why we're assuming he's starting. We're assuming he's starting because of intel that you have. Because under that same theory, Luke Deal would be starting over Fairweather. And I don't think there's a chance that that's happening, right? That's so so the, the fact that Stutz is – is, is going to SEC media days is not the reason why we think that he is getting that starting nod. It comes off different information that you got from a source within the program. Because, again, although I believe McAllister, who's the other SEC representative, will start, I yes. still think the tight end positions is Fairweathers. So it's based upon some other intel, and that's we, we were kind of wondering how Hugh Freeze was going to handle this. Some coaches take starters. Some people take – Guys that have been there for a while, work real hard, and they're leaders, and they're looked upon as mm. such. And, and that may be the example that Hugh is trying to set right now. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I just didn't realize, like, Cam Sutts was a leader in the locker room. And, I mean, I don't know. Freeze yeah. never really talked about him. When he talked about leaders and offensive linemen, like, his name just wasn't ever, wasn't ever brought up. And, look, this staff is watching people in the summer. Like, he knows who all is – you know, in the facility, who all's putting the most work in? And, you know, they're talking to the strength and conditioning staff. Like, they're monitoring all of this. Maybe Cam Stutz won some praise over this summer. I mean, which is great, right? I mean, that's a that's a great scenario if that's the case. 
if you think about it, if he did emerge and distance himself and establish himself as a rotational piece along the offensive line and progress to full-time starter, there is a lesson to be learned there in leadership and sure. looking up to somebody and saying, look, this is a guy that came this far because he put in the work in the offseason. I want to reward that example and take him to SEC media days. It's the only way that I can see how the two are related. Yeah. Elijah McAllister has popped up in the news multiple times this week now. I want to discuss Mr. McAllister in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. I want to encourage you to join the Locked Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. Daryl, uh, shortly before we recorded this, Elijah McAllister was named uh, to the preseason Good Works team, the SEC Good Works team, which kind of lines up to why we think this is such a good decision to to bring Elijah McAllister. He's already got a nonprofit. There's a chance he wins, you know, lots of kind of off the field type honors and awards throughout the conference and throughout national, you know, college football as well because of what he's done. I mean, he's he's a very, very impressive young man. Were you surprised at all when Elijah McAllister was kind of that third name? Yeah, I just th – this day is all about the amount of L's I can continue to take, and I've been taking L after L. I I so sagely and wisely proclaim well, – who your three were because the other <coughs> one I got right was Deal. Excuse me. I, it was um, Jason Jones, sure. DJ James, sure. and Javaris Johnson. Got it. But my, the reason why it's not so much missing on those three guys, but I made the brilliant proclamation that Hugh Freeze would not take somebody that wasn't an Auburn letterman last year, that he wouldn't take a transfer because I would think that you would want somebody that's worn the orange and blue before. Yeah, well, that goes to show you how much old Daryl knows because he took McAllister. But if there is an exception to that rule, and if there is somebody who immediately from the time he stepped foot on campus just assumed that leadership mantle and oozed it, it's McAllister. So the fact that he took somebody that wasn't an Auburn letterman last year surprised me. But the fact that it was McAllister was the least surprise at all of them. Because if someone would have told, if you'd have told me he's going to take one guy that was that came over in the transfer portal, who would that be? I would have said McAllister hands down because of his leadership, the Vanderbilt pedigree. I mean, I did, there's just I, we heard right away how he took Falk under his wing, right, and just kind of mentored him and kind of welcomed him into the college football atmosphere. So. Good choice. I think that the young man is very, very well spoken. That's one aspect of it. We're going to get a lot of good, you know, uh, material from a guy like that because I think he's going to be very uh, eloquent and articulate in what he wants to profess about Auburn football. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And then, as far as you know, narrative with with Luke Deal. Curious to see what array of questions he's asked. I got a feeling it's going to be more about other people than what he's working on, which is. Could be strategic. I'm not sure. I imagine he'll get asked a lot of questions about Rivaldo Fairweather and then, you know, Shanker leaving. Maybe that'll open up more reps for him. But, you know, yeah, Charlie I Cotton mean, I, I think it'd be different, though. I think it, it, it would be like last year, there were specific packages that Auburn's offensive staff ran with three tight ends and they ran out of them. I, they were trying to get more efficient blocking and so they put three tight ends on the field against AM and it really worked out to be 
Uh, Will Friend did a great job with that. I mean, mm. scheming that. And they they ran the football more effectively the last three games than they did prior to that. So maybe that's the question. Maybe, hey, are there packages that you and Fromm are in or Riley Ducker to, that because they want to put three t- multiple tight ends on the field? We'll see. But they gotta, ran out of that, which is very interesting. You got to think it's going to be less, though. I think so. I think I think this coaching staff and this offensive coordinator th- does not follow the suit that Will Fr- – they did that out of necessity last year. Mm-hmm. With this offensive line and how much it's improved, I don't think you need to do that. And you also, in my opinion, have better pass catchers, more weapons at receiver. Right. So why do you want to take a receiver off the field and put Fromm or Deal on the field, even from a running back stand- – even running out of that? I mean, you've got, you've got dudes now on the offensive line. Uh, I, I don't know. Unless you want to put Rivaldo as like a big slot and have deal in, but like, is that really a two tight end set? Like, technically it is, but you're just yeah. putting Rivaldo at receiver. Like, I'd be, I, we may see plenty of that. I think that's more likely than just like, you know, two attached tight ends to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I think Riley Ducker and Fairweather come across to me as your pass catching tight ends. Mm. And Fromm and Deal come across as your blocking tight ends when you're running the ball. And so, obviously, you don't want to be predictable. And you see those two in the game, you're like, run, screaming out, run. But if you play action off that, you might get somewhat open downfield. But I just think that that's a – I know that's a question I'm going to ask him is, last year there was a big push for a three tight end package. Do you see some of that in practice with Philip Montgomery – and you freeze. Are there sets for that where the situation calls for that? And only he can answer that question. He may say no, or he may say, yeah, there is. I, again, head scratch. What I bet he's going to say, what I bet he's going to say is, yeah, we'll work on maybe installing some stuff in the fall. Like, I mean, yeah. he's not going to answer that question. Yeah, I'm going to make him answer that question. I'm going to make him uncomfortable. I'm just going to stare at him until he answers it, right? That's uncomfortable. That's awkward. Do you think you could intimidate Luke Deal? No. He's got tattoos. He He's got tattoos. He'll 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 use me to clean his teeth after eating a good steak. Yeah, that's why. That's why because he has tattoos. Well, they're intimidating tattoos, really. I mean, you know, they're scary. They're scary. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, sure. there's nobody that I can intimidate that's on the Auburn football team. So I, that's just not my style. No, I'm just, yeah, I'm peaceful, every, loving. No, everybody yeah. knows you're you're joking. Absolutely. Oh, just peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, loving, uh, loving Daryl Daprich. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Daryl, how can people check out everything you've got going on? Dap sixty four ten. Follow me on Twitter. Love interacting. Love interacting in the Discord. And then Monday mornings on WANI seven ten. And man, am I looking forward to all the coverage we're going to give at SEC Media Days, where we're going to people are able to follow us, follow me, follow you on everything. We try to bring them in great content. Yep, yep. We'll be there all week in Nashville next week. You can follow me on socials at Z Blackaby. Read all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. On tomorrow's show, a Cruton Thursday with Brian Smith. You don't want to miss it. Until then, this has been Locked on Auburn.